Welcome to The Right Conversation. I'm your host, J.D. Dubois. And I'm Dr. Corey Yeager. The Right Conversation is brought to you by Everyone Has a Story and our friends at Broken Blanket Media. This podcast is meant to be a safe space, a compassion-filled space, a space for you and me. So bring your differences and come as you are. Together, we are going to normalize the conversation around mental wellness. Today we have the privilege of uh, everyone has a story, family member, uh, president, and director of the National Basketball Wives Association, uh, an influencer in our community, and someone whose social media I personally uh, look to for inspiration and uh, different perspectives. Uh, welcome, Mia Wright. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a wonderful intro, J.D. That was that was nice to hear. It's nice to hear that the folks are paying attention. <laughs> Absolutely. You always, is, anytime, especially if you're writing it, I always know. Okay, I gotta, I gotta make sure I go back and read through that. Because sometimes, if you don't, if you don't read it twice, you might miss it. You might miss it, right? Miss <laughs> oh, how you guys doing right now? We're in an interesting time. We had Man. a little uh, pre-recorded Andrew. discussion on that, but it's. We're, especially for the work that you all are doing and have started, um, I think it's a really critical conversation even more um, now that so many of us are experiencing this, you know, human isolation, yes. you can call it, and um, just the scientific effects of that on our psyche and our everyday well-being. So I'm, I'm excited about this conversation, and Dr. Yeager, I'm sure I'm going to uh, toss you some questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want. I'm be. I'm. I'm try to be. I'm gonna try to be ready for you, Mia. <laughs> hey, hey, but you talked just a little bit about something I think is really important: is um, the impacts, the scientific impacts, um, and how things are impacting all of us socially in this new, quote unquote, new normal that we're dealing with. How we will stay engaged. Me, I'm talking a lot, and JD and I are talking a lot about this language of social distancing that they use, and we're pushing back on that language. We shouldn't be saying be socially distant. We should be physically distant mm-hmm. and socially connected more now more than ever. Um, staying that, the staying and keeping and maintaining those connections are more important now than they have ever been. Um, so we've got to stay socially connected. And these conversations are one way in which we can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when you hear the term mental wellness, what, what does that mean to you? What, what comes to mind when you hear that? Um, for me, mental wellness is mindfulness. Um, it is understanding that at all times you have the power of choice. Um, it's trusting your choices um and it's being responsible for the energy that you are um putting out into your your different worlds Mm -hmm. and as we're socially distancing or physically distancing i have a toddler that's (laughs) directing me (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah those are the um 
things that come to mind when I hear the term mental wellness and when friends and I have conversations on, on mental wellness. So that's what hits it for me. Was that something that, was there a shift in mm-hmm. how you viewed that? Was growing up, did you have any relationship with the concept or with that topic? And if, mm-hmm. if you, whether you did or you didn't, when, when do you recall there being uh, that transition to kind of how you see that space now? Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom is a uh, woman who endured a lot of childhood trauma. Mm. Um, it's not a secret. It's a part of her story that she shares and, you know, hoping to um, connect. Um, and so thankfully she did the self work. Uh, um, she took responsibility and accountability and, um, she was able to, through her self-work, teach me early. Um, the importance of that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think I've always had a concept of what mental wellness is. I may not have known the language um early on but you know we we went to therapy as a mom and daughter <laughs> going through um the teenage what she calls the hell raising years yeah. <laughs> like so and you know she had obviously been through tons of therapy so i was always aware of um what it means to nurture and invest in your mental health yeah. Um, from an early age. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me personally, when I had to, or not, I didn't have to, when I chose to um, do a little bit more research and understanding on spiritual wellness, um, not as it relates to my Christian background, um, that happens for me. I know exactly when it happened. And I think it's those special markers in your life mm-hmm. that, happen for a reason yep. um, that you never forget. So for me, it was 2013. And um, I had always been interested in different um, spiritual concepts or philosophies. I'm, I'm just a researcher and a learner by nature. I'm curious. Um, but, you know, there were things that were happening in my life that I said, mm, this is not what I'm writing for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not this so this is not going to happen for me and then I I had to learn to like accept things where they were and then but continue to kind of write where you want them to be and release it and not really worry about how you're getting there just be on the journey um and yeah go ahead no No, because we, we always speak about how obviously um, my nonprofit organization is called Everyone Has a Story, but make mm-hmm. sure you're the author of yours. So right. exactly what you're saying. We we all have a story. We all have things that um, make us who we are, but mm-hmm. make sure you're writing the pages at the end of that. There's certain circumstances that we all deal with that we have no control over. There's certain areas that, like you're saying, you're responsible for. And, mm-hmm. and, and you mentioned something earlier about how your mother made you aware of the different uh, traumas that she had experienced. Doc, can you give us a little insight on how beneficial it is going generation to generation, how a lot of times in our communities, a lot of our trauma 
is transferred generation mm-hmm. after generation and we're unaware a lot of times mm-hmm. because those conversations like me as mom would have with her we don't have we don't speak about yeah. different issues and next thing you know I'm a parent and I'm doing the same things to my children or they're getting the effects of trauma that happened from my grandma who was yeah. passed down generations. Yeah, in the scientific realm, we would t- call that intergenerational transmission. Mm. So from one generation to the other, we transmit trauma, we transmit love, we, we hand off different things. Um, and we don't really necessarily recognize it and there's not necessarily specific moments that someone says, all right, so Mia, this is what you need to do with your mental wealth and your mental wellness is how you do it. But we observe as children how our parents do stuff and how they they manage processes and crises. So that transmission, what Mia just talked about, um, is that in terms of mental wellness, her mom was showing her the template. Hey, I'm going through some things. This is how we're going to deal with it. Not only will I do it, but together we're going to go do some of that work. Um, so I think that transmission of trauma is important to know. Um, one thing, Mia, that we're starting to talk a lot more about and the research is starting to dive more deeply into is that too often we think of things as cultural. For instance, um, spanking, whooping uh, that, that kids receive, especially in the black community. Many of us would say, well, that's just cultural. That's what we do. We, we spank the kids. But if you look back over time and go before the Middle Passage, we would have to ask ourselves, were we, were we disciplining our children that same way in Africa? Because um, if not, it becomes learned behavior that beatings are the way that you discipline. Over, over generations, we receive that message over and over, and then we think of it as cultural, but what it really becomes is remnants, leftovers of trauma from slavery. Um, so recognizing that transmission, how that occurs um, in a positive or negative way is really important. Yeah, you, you bring up a really um, interesting and now I think more we're culturally aware of what you know we label as generational curses are mm-hmm. you see a lot of memes on social media you know we have to break our partner up or you know marry someone that you can break generational um curses. cycles with and mm-hmm. yeah so it's something that we're starting to um recognize on a mass level yes um social media because i don't want to take away from the scholars and the researchers and the educated and, um, you know, and I'm talking about from the hood or not, like you don't have to have gone to a college to be, to educate yourself. Um, but we're starting to, um, in more of the masses understand what that means. Um, and what a generational curse or a cycle is and recognizing it and saying, you know what, that's actually behavior that's not, progressive um but there's also a point of accountability where you have to recognize your role in what's happening and say to yourself i know that this there's a better way (laughs) there's a more you know there's something i could be doing differently that will 
create a new outcome and create a new genetic impression. You know, mm-hmm. I think we we evolve as a species, as a, a as a nation, race, whatever culture, whatever you want to call it. Um, we have to evolve. Um, and you talked about something that stands out for me, Mia. Um, that I'm reminded of of a both and approach because we can have that historical um, trauma, those things that have occurred over over many many years that are negative and traumatic, um, and we can blame it on our existence today on that history, or we can also say, but there's also a personal responsibility to your point of okay, all that did happen, but what am I doing? to make myself move forward. So I think it's a both and approach. Both are correct. And how can we as a community recognize our personal responsibility while also keeping an understanding and alive the the history of our ancestors and what they endured, um, how we can put both of those worlds together to be beneficial for the broader community. I think that's really, Mia, what we face today. That's where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, the question and is, I'm, what will we do? Go ahead. I'm going to jump in the fire. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> this, I think that I want to believe that Kanye had that original intention with the message that he was trying to do with the whole MAGA hat and all that. You know, I yeah. mean, a, a, a ton of it definitely was self-serving and you know, he, yeah. he's a creative mastermind. I mean, he'll tell you that, um, <laughs> in, you know, one way or another. Yep. But mm-hmm. I think that the message that was lost <laughs> was yeah. the one that you just shared. Um, there is a space where you can always and should always honor, you know, and, and what we allow and we celebrate with so many other cultures, you know, yes. the honoring of the trauma and then there's also the end. And now what? And now how do we mm-hmm. move beyond that yes. in a way that allows us to be freed from mm. the stereotypical, um, tri- you know, trickle down trauma that continues to happen in our in our community? That's right, Mia. How Hell do you yeah. how do you feel your um connection to mental wellness being that your, your your mom took you to therapy young how does that uh, affect uh, how you approach your family being wife of Darrell mother uh, Devin and Dash how, how does that kind of assist you in your motherhood that some of your peers or different stories you might have have heard of um, mm-hmm. the, the advantage or maybe just the experience that having mm-hmm. a, a clear or a very in depth understanding of mental wellness. How does that how does that work for you? Um, so I, you know, with the relationship with my mom and I, which is extremely close and always has been. I mean, we've had a business relationship, mother, daughter, so many different layers. And just as a child in, in probably having, I mean, I've always been called an old soul and, you know, she's been here before. So I've always been very aware and, um, I can remember telling myself, okay, I'm going to do this like her. I'm not going to do this like her. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like taking notes, right? 
right? Because yes. I always knew, I mean, my mom would say the two things that you always said you wanted to be as a child were an entertainer and a mother. Mm. So family to me was very important. So I always thought about family a lot since mm. I was a you know, young, young girl. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's like all of those things that I thought about, I'm now living. Um, and my approach is to be honest, um, you know, to a degree that can be understood, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't believe in oversaturating your children with information that is going to be difficult for them to process. I believe you have to, yeah, yeah right. you got to meet them where they are. But I do believe in being very honest. I believe in allowing my kids to freely express themselves, with, you know, with the limitation of respect and disrespect. Let's watch that tone now. <laughs> right, right. And that respect and disrespect, there's a ton of different lines out there for people. Yeah, so, right. you know, that's, that's, that that's might be something that we stick to. Hey, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> right. Hey, but you, hey, but um, me, you talk about that, that piece that you just said, um, of watching your mom and mm-hmm. somewhere in your mind, in the deep recesses of our minds, we start to say, when I'm a parent, when yeah. I'm married, I'm going to do that, exactly that. But I'm not, but that over there, I'm not doing that. And there's mm-hmm. tons of research in the social science realm, my work, um, that says what we do as um, kids, as we turn into adults, is we choose one of those two paths. I'm going to parent exactly the way my mom and dad or whoever, my mom, how they parented. I'm going to do the same thing. Or I'm going to do a 180 because I told, I hated how they, they did that. So I'm mm-hmm. going to do a 180 and, and do the opposite of what they did. Um, I think that's an important thing. I think we know that innately, mm-hmm. but intentionally understanding, because you've heard a million people in your life say, man, I caught myself saying something to my kids, and it was I heard my mom talking. Right. I heard my dad talking, and I swore I wasn't going to do this or that. I think that's an impo- important, intentional um, place that we should be engaging as parents, um, especially mm-hmm. as communities of color. And to touch on um, the relationship and the role of wife, right? Um, <laughs> um, that is and probably um, continues to be one of my daily challenges. Mm. Um, because I did not grow up in a household where my mother was married. Um, you know, she didn't have guys or relationships in and out of the house. So I didn't really see the man-woman dynamic. Mm. I saw an alpha female who, you know, we would go through waves. We'd be on top, you know, for a few years and then hit the crash. I mean, kind of like the American economy. Yes. Like, and, <laughs> you know, it was just her and I. It was her and I. We were in business together, you know. So um, I saw a woman do it all. Do mm. it all. Yeah. And so entering the relationship with Darrell, and, and I was an only child. I'm a mother's only child. Mm. So there was two very different dynamics coming together. He comes from a traditional married family with brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just came from this completely different world. So 
that just dynamic in itself and, and, you know, trying to figure out who I am in this new dynamic yes. and how am I supposed to fit. And that's just youth and young and learning and, you know, it's all a part of life experience. But then I hit that spiritual marker and I was like, oh, you got to detach from all that. Oh. Okay. Like you have to, and not you have to, but my choice. Um, you can't force your learned behaviors or you can't call someone else's upbringing not correct or you know what i mean like hey, yep. mia it's, it's, mm-hmm. you say that hey that's another dp hey everything you say got depth i love that hey you got depth of <laughs> depth of knowledge across all kinds of might need to be our third host hey that's right hey the, the one thing that i'm reminded of what you say and i do a lot of couples work um in my therapeutic practice and one thing that I'm always discussing with couples, especially couples that are newly formed, may not be married, but have been together and they want to get some help. What we know is that both of those individuals come into the new relationship with a family agenda. This is how we do right. it. You yep. put the toilet paper on this way. That's all I've ever known. And you, and you keep putting it on that way. So what ensues, <laughs> what happens in those in those moments is a battle for the new agenda for that family. Mm. So my mom enters my home when I was first married and had our first kid, and my mom would enter our home and say, well, why y'all doing this? Well, you know, we never do that, did that. But that became our new world because my wife and I figured out how we would do it. So mm-hmm. elements of her upbringing converged with elements of my upbringing and then all of a sudden we have a new family agenda how right. do how, doc how do new couples balance that okay my mom comes to my house or sees how i'm interacting with my family and mm-hmm. mom or dad has an opinion on well why are you doing this why are you doing that now i don't want to have a a, a a strain in my relationship with that parent mm-hmm. but i also want to be able to express what you're saying mm-hmm. how can how, how would you advise people on how to better communicate those things as opposed to just saying, hey, so this is not your house. This is how we do it well, here. That, part of that, uh, you may say it that way, though. Oh. It may come out that way, though. Right. Hey, so, on the parent. Yeah, that's right. So I'm reminded of a moment that my, my wife and I had been married maybe only a couple of years, and my mom, who's similar to your mom, that's that alpha. You don't mess with Bev. Bev gonna tell like it is. You... Uh, you move around when she tells you something. So she had come to my, our home, and every time we would get in the car to go somewhere, my mom would get automatically get in the front seat with me. I'm driving. My mom would automatically get in the front seat. And my, yes. wife, my wife had no problem with it, didn't say anything, but it began to trouble me because I was saying, as much as I love my mom, the most important woman that has ever I've had in my life, I now have chosen a wife that is my queen that I then I ended up having a conversation with my mom like, hey, so you hop in the front seat every time. But there is a level of, of conversation and respect that we had to say that she may want to sit in the front seat. Mm. So being able to have those conversations and I think each individual in the couple, it is their job. It was not my wife's job to address that with my mom. It was my job to address that with my mom mm-hmm. um, and not having to be edgy and say, Hey, well you just ain't sitting in the front no more. We ain't finna do this. It did, That is not helpful either yeah. because now not only is my mom maybe pissed with me, 
But she's not looking at my wife like you over there complaining about me getting in the front seat. Yeah. <laughs> right? So now it could turn yeah. into. But I prefaced the conversation with my mom by saying, so this ain't coming from Carrie. My wife, she ain't bring this up. This is something that I thought yeah. was important. So managing that in a way that's um, individualized based on my upbringing and who, what my relationship with my mom was, I knew I could go to her and say it in the way I did. Because mm. basically, she taught me to say it in the way I said it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's an important piece. I have a quick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch reels just a little bit, Mia, mm -hmm. to ask something that I've been wondering or thinking about um, since I knew you would be on, is that you have been, from the beginning of the right conversation, really a cornerstone um, of how we did it, Absolutely. how we developed it, um, how we've moved forward. There's remnants of, of, of your engagement that show up even to this podcast. And set the bar for the quality. Yes, the high bar. All of those pieces are, have become a cornerstone and very important to us. So tell us a little bit, Mia, about how you came to say, yeah, I'll be part of that of that initial right conversation. And not only that initial piece, but you've become a pseudo advisor to how we're managing this process, how we're moving it forward. Tell us a little bit about how you chose to be a part of it and why you saw it as important. And the second part of that question, Mia, is from that initial right conversation that we had in Utah, were there takeaways or anything that stood out to you that you mm -hmm. held on to? Yeah. Um, to, to answer the first part of the question, definitely um, was interested in helping to build out, obviously, with my brother-in-law, Delon, being a part of um, the first series that you all hosted um, and me, you know, really wanting to show him and continue to give him examples of stepping outside the box as an athlete mm. and the importance of that. Mm. Um, so, you know, that was my initial reason for immediately leaning in and, um, you know, being a consultant to JD, mm. um, even though it's very, you know, limited, but just giving oh, him different ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been ongoing. It's been ongoing. <laughs> and I think, um, and, and I, I've, kind of answer part two but you'll hint a part one are still going to be in here um the takeaway from that conversation and you know it wasn't a huge room maybe 50 people or you know it was a very mm -hmm. small intimate group setting um but to hear the stories of not only the people that were on the panel with us um but even you know guests that were in the audience who yes. were very engaged throughout the entire conversation, um, most of them young students. And it was like, oh, wow, you know, yeah. this is something that um, we don't also see as important as leaders of, you know, society or, you know, whatever title you want to have. Right. But right. this is something that's actually important that the kids want to discuss and, and have a safe space, you know, to talk about. Um, mm -hmm. and so just knowing that, you know, JD's intention was to really get these conversations going in an authentic way. I'm all about people living and standing in their truth. Yes. Um, and that's yes. something that's felt. And so that event, you know, kind of shaped that for me with JD. And so, and you know, being able to recognize, like I said, intentions are felt. 
And so for me to even take my time, and this is not a boasting thing, this is just facts. Um, I'm only going to invest time into things I believe in. And that's something Mm. that my mom taught me. Um, And that, you know, again, seeing her example and and the results that's yielded for her, I follow that lead. And, um, Mm. you know, I've seen this grow. Um, The events keep getting better, bigger. Um, And, again, it's because you're introducing this conversation. And, of course, we've had the Player Tribune pieces from Kevin Love and others um, who are coming out. Um, it, and it's, a, it's different to have these conversations in an f- open forum um, where people can, again, feel what's yes. being said That's and connect right. to what's being said. And, and, and Mia, mm-hmm. you bring up a, a, a great point about, about the feel. And for us, the right conversation we always talk about, we want that to be uh, an experience. So we want, mm-hmm. we want you to be able to come to that space and we only have one sign that we have of our own um, around the, the, the uh, different venues that we've been at. And it says, the space you are entering is a safe space, a compassion-filled a compassion filled space, a space for you and I. Bring your differences. Come as you are. You are enough here. And what, what, what our goal is for both the panel and the podcast is literally what we've been talking about today is making sure that Everyone feels as though they can be themselves, they can be honest, they can be genuine, um, normalizing that vulnerability of things that you may be dealing with. And, and Corey talks about judgment and the fact that, you know, we, we make judgment, make, you can make your judgments on things, but what you do after that is important. So there's, there's people that during these panels are, are telling very personal stories and you may have a, a, a prejudged idea on who these people are. It's what you do with that after yes. you hear their stories. That's that's very important. Yes, mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, I I firmly believe that um, your purpose is in your authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've heard Oprah and Michelle Obama, and you know. A, a slew of successful people say that and not a lot of people can really understand what that means um or to the degree of you know what being authentic means because they don't realize that in their everyday lives they are being they're programmed (laughs) they haven't even realized who they are you know what i mean And, and, and the power that that is in that um and so I think that um, purpose comes from from authenticity, um, and, and with purpose there is power. So it's it's it will be interesting um, to see how we emotionally get through this time. Um, since we're the first to go through it yeah. <laughs> in this generation, anyway. Yeah. How, how are you staying mentally through? well during this time? Um, definitely meditating is, is great for me. Sometimes, you know, I can go daily. I just actually came off a 21 day challenge, like a Deepak Chopra challenge. Deepak, Um, that's my man. I know, I know. I I stand for Deepak. (laughs) Yes. Um, 
Yeah, no, he's dope. And, yes, he is. Um, I, I think a very great um, lay introduction into what meditation is and the practices and the purpose. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of his philosophies mm-hmm. and his his. For those people who are, who are always like, you know, I want to try meditation, but I, I just can't sit still. And right. I, I'm a big believer in meditation. I want to get your thoughts. What I usually try to tell them is just be where you are and feel how mm-hmm. you feel. Be aware of how you're feeling. Be if you're aware. feeling anxious, if you're be feeling aware. what, let the thoughts. It's I, yeah. I, I heard a, a, an analogy about your thoughts are like cars on the highway. Just being, mm-hmm. a, just be aware of the color of the car, the make and model of the car, but you don't have to try to slow them down. You don't have to try to get in the way. You don't have to mm-hmm. try to make them change lanes. Just allow them to be what they are, but just be aware of them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just wonder your thoughts on that. Um, that's a great analogy, and I'm a bookworm, so mm. a lot of my introduction came from reading various materials, various books, various authors, um, and that's why I mentioned Deepak. I think he's a good, easier um lane into maybe understanding the practices and principles because I go but I think and I have friends that know that that's one of you know my big things and they say the same thing I can't sit still my mom she's one of those people she's not even she can't she doesn't even read like she's her self-taught is a whole nother level um yeah she, she does not does not like to read books um so it's not for everybody. I mean, I will say that. And I think mm-hmm. that meditation comes in different forms. You know, for some people, it's physical. It's working out. You know what I mean? And that's their place of calm and stillness. For some, it's through arts um, yeah. that are very yeah. meditative. Um I think, and for others, we also have to understand prayer is meditation, right? Yes. So for people that aren't, you know, maybe doing the traditional um, positioning and methods of meditation as introduced, you know, from, from the Eastern religions, yeah. um, I think that, you know, you recognize people's specific way of coping and dealing that feel like meditation so people have prayer closets i mean for me it for me that's the same thing there's it's a it's a method of stillness it's a method of um being present being thankful um and then you know then i have to say that that's not something my husband does like that's the real just not meditate Mm -hmm. so it's like you know i think um for him it's him staying focused on his vision, you know, him recently retiring from playing after 16 years. Um, and, and this happening in in such a time where he's like, dang, I have all these things that I want to do. And now I'm literally sat still. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you do? You work on what you can work on. And like you said, you become innovative. Um, and, and there will be new things that are are birthed out of this period of time. Um, yep. that will meet our needs as we move forward. So um, deprogramming, unlearning, those have been two of my favorite phrases <laughs> for the past few years. Yeah. And um, it can be scary for um, 
a lot of people because a lot of people, um, all they know is their story. Um, and to have to, and, and I know that's kind of your catchphrase. I was like, oh, dang, <laughs> everyone has a story. Right. You can have your story, but just have an awareness too. Yes, you know what I right, mean? Yes. That's right. Um, because you don't want to become a victim of your story. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to be able to, to, to break from it, to be able to share it, to educate, to empower. And I think that's what you all are intending to do with these conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. And just as we close, Mia, one thing we, we ask all our guests is, if you could speak to the 16-year-old you, 16-year-old <laughs> Mia, what <laughs> advice or what what would you tell her from a, a, a mental wellness standpoint or just what mm-hmm. what would you say to her if you had the opportunity 16 to speak? 16-year-old Mia, she was a fun little thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would tell her that um, you know how smart you are. Mm. Um, and you don't have to play it small to feel like you need to fit in, Mm. um, to make others comfortable, um, to feel more relatable because you are all of those things in your most powerful moments, um, as your future self. (laughs) So that's powerful. Yeah, I, I think that's what just keeping it short and sweet because those words, you know, then ripple throughout all the other actions. So um, that's what I would say is just it's okay to um, recognize who and what you are and to stand in that strongly. Mia, the last addition to that question, what would you tell the 16-year-old Mia if she was... 16 in this day and age right now dealing with all the things that we're dealing with would there be any additional advice or something different that you would say to 16 year old Mia in that was in the midst of this chaos mm, in, in COVID specifically or yep. just yep. <laughs> the world as we know it the world as we know it but even this isolation and all of yeah. these things w- would there be anything different that you would say or additional say that this is a time that can be highly um, distracting Mm. and confusing um, and it's intended to be that way Mm. so really take this time to stay focused on your heart's work your passion um, and go within every day go Mm. within and and I'll always remember that you have the control over you at all times. You may not have control over the circumstances, but you have the control over how you react to those circumstances. That's beautiful. Beautiful. That's time. Mia, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be on with us. We really appreciate it. Um, if you could give everybody your, your social media handle so they can follow you and get all the free game I always steal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Mrs. Mia Wright. So at 
M-R-S-M-I-A-W-R-I-G-H-T. Um, Twitter is actually where I get interesting, too. <laughs> you know, there's your different social media yeah, systems, all different personalities. Yep. Um, so Twitter is at M-I-O underscore M-Y-O, Mio Mayo. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn. That's my professional site. Mm. <laughs> and I'm just look me up under Mia Wright. Um, Yeah, so those are my handles. And thank you all so much for always tapping in with me. And um, again, I'm excited to see the growth and and bear witness to the power um, and leveling up of you know everything that you've been doing and it's it's critical it's important and it's reaching an audience that really needs it so thank you guys thank you thank you thank you and we thank you for not only tuning in today but for helping to normalize the conversation around mental wellness this podcast has been brought to you by everyone has a story and broken blanket media until next time this has been the right conversation